Amen. Good morning, everybody. Turn your neighbor and say, buenos dias. Turn someone else and say, aloha. Kakahiaka. Uh, okay, don't go there. Some of you like Spanish, Latinos were like, what did he say? Okay, you Latinos, keep it in line. But kakahiaka uh, means good morning in Hawaiian. So you just learned some, some Hawaiian. Amen. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Dan and Pastor Lauda for allowing me to be here. I also speak on behalf of certainly Pastor Casey Treat. He's one of my board of directors, and I know you got a lot out of his teaching. He's a great man of God, and, and we love him greatly. And uh, we are both honored to uh, be here on this special day for this special weekend, at least what marks um, the, the shift that's going on in this ministry. And I, and I really think it's great. So, again, uh, this morning I, I do have a, a word in season, but I do want to let you know how much I, uh, before I get started, um, you know, Pastor Kuna, my, the, the, the most beautiful woman on the planet Earth, um, s- sends her love to you. And she says she wished she could be here, and, um, but she could and she has to take care of the house. And um, when we travel now, one, one normally has to stay back with the children, and, um, and it wasn't me this time. It was a week ago, but it wasn't me this time. And so, um, and so, uh, and then we're getting ready to go to, um, getting ready to go to Europe, so she has to really get some things ready, but she's preaching five services this weekend, and so, yeah, and the sister can bring it, you know. Yeah, yeah, she's like a fireball, but, you know, that's why we, we, we love her, appreciate her, but she had a wonderful time with your pastor, Pastor Laura, when they were up at Casey Tweet's Women's Conference for Wendy Tweet. And uh, they got to hear and be ministered by uh, Dodie Osteen, April Osteen, and Lisa Osteen. Is that right? And it was an amazing time. And Kuna really enjoyed uh, seeing Pastor Laura there and uh, good memories. And so uh, we're excited. Excited about what God is doing in all of your lives. Amen. So um, let me see. I don't know way. <laughs> I, I, I rewrite my notes almost every time. You know, when you begin to pray, you have thoughts. That's a dangerous thing. <laughs> Father, we do. I, I do receive the prayers of, of Pastor Dan in this ministry. And I, I stand in this pulpit, Father, out of, out of great honor and respect, first of all, to you, Lord God, and what you're doing in these magnificent people, Father God, of this community and what you want to do. Father, please help us to open up. Our, our understanding as to what you would have us to, to grasp, and Father, what you would have us to become. Now that a divine shift has begun to take place and being indicated by, Father God, the, the, the newness of the mark, heaven's mark that's upon this church, Love Life Church. And Father God, what you are saying to the community, what are you saying to us? And Father God, we pray that we would grasp it. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. I'm going to begin in a verse and then I'm going to come back to it. Psalms 106. Psalms 106. I'm going to begin in verse 29, but it's going to be the, the second part of verse 29. It says, And the plague broke out. Oops. And the. That's what happens with technology. You've got to be careful how you touch the screen. And the plague broke out among them. <clears throat> then Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And it was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. You know, 
I asked myself a question in a time of devotions not too long ago. Lord, what kind of disciple are you looking for? And uh, in, in, in one sense, I heard him say, I wouldn't say I heard a voice, but I sense, I, I kind of knew the answer, the kind he's always looked for. And uh, immediately what came to my mind, though we can go down many trails biblically and come out with right answers. Two verses of scripture really pointed out, uh, jumped out to me, and then I'll come back to this verse and show you how it all ties in, I hope. And... Uh, <clears throat> And the first one is in 2 Chronicles 16.9. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. It goes on to show himself strong. I'm going to say strong. On behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You know, and, I, and then I began to ask the question, you know, when you ask what is loyalty, everybody has a definition of loyalty, and we can go down that road avenue too and we can do the appropriate breakdown and and it wouldn't be incorrect but because of time you know i want to just answer scripture with the scripture and i think it'd be good as, as just sharing with you where i was in my devotion and what god was saying and i think what god has me to, to speak here today and so i began to think about it obviously the kind of disciple when i say disciple i'm talking about a fully devoted follower of christ that's how I define disciple, being a fully devoted follower of Christ. What is a fully devoted follower of Christ? You know, it's easy to say that, but what does it look like? How does it behave? What does it do? What does it say? Well, uh, immediately again, the Spirit of God reminded me of Paul the Apostle in Romans 1.16 and the way he acted. Because I think Paul the Apostle gives us indication of what a fully devoted follower of Christ really is all about. Where it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. I just want to stop there. For everyone. I'm going to say for everyone. You know, and I began to think about this for everyone. And I began to think of the verses that I just shared with you. I mean, it just came to me that quickly. And I really began to look at our church and look at what God has opened me up to and what he was asking me to do and, and, and I, I want to share with you because I really believe that a loyal heart, amongst other things, would certainly be this. Where you would have a, a loyal heart for God, where you would be unashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you and I would be unashamed. You know, when you're ashamed, you hide it. When you're ashamed, you don't speak it. When you're ashamed, you don't necessarily live it. You know, you may go to church on Sunday. Nothing wrong with this Sunday morning. I'm not talking about people here, but I'm talking about people go to churches. You know, people attend churches, but they're not very loyal. And they're not sometimes very committed, very faithful. They don't really get involved in certain things. Not this house. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about this house. Everyone say, not in this house. Say, not in this house. Anytime I make a statement like that, Kuna always shouts out from the, not in this house. I said, okay, woman, you know, you know, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, people would say, everyone, Pastor Art, everyone in Phoenix, everyone in the county, everyone in the state, everyone, Pastor Art, everyone, the gospel is for everyone, the power, the gospel of Christ is the power of God for everyone, 
Because in the back of their mind, they're thinking of a situation that has not turned around. Or they're thinking of an impossibility. Or they're thinking of an improbability. Or they're thinking of something there, you know, where, where something hasn't turned around as a reality. And so they actually are questioning, they're doubting, they're suspect of the power of God. So they won't necessarily present the gospel because they don't have a conviction that it truly is an answer for everyone. But God is looking for a person who is so absolutely loyal that he can look at any impossible looking situation, any impossible sounding situation, and say the gospel of Christ is the answer for that. The gospel of Christ is your answer. The gospel of Christ is your answer. The gospel of Christ is every person's answer. Unless you start compartmentalizing your belief system. Well, the gospel is for this place in here on a Sunday morning. But when I step out in my career, or I go back to my family, or I go back to the community, I really don't apply the gospel, the power of God. Because that's a different situation. They're different. And we come up with all these reasons and all the excuses. So, in essence, God hasn't found a true loyal heart in a person who believes that way. They look the part. They sound the part. But they don't carry out the gospel to all the parts of the world that they influence. And I want to share this with you because we have faced... Our society has faced so many impossibilities that were impossibilities and improbabilities yesterday, but now are commonplace. But at one time, the mind could not comprehend it. You know, the mind didn't even imagine it. And all of a sudden, we're holding it in our hands. You know, we're operating in certain ways. We're seeing things in every area. What was once impossible has now been made a reality. And so God has given us little indicators that there are things that you might see that look impossible. But when you allow me and the gospel, the gospel of Christ, that burden removing, yoke destroying power of God in a situation, you know, I begin to turn things around to make the impossible possible. And God is looking for a believer. God is looking for a loyal heart that is not intimidated, doesn't back down, doesn't fear what society will throw at you. Because when you are the church, you are not called to just sit here. You are called to go there. And I want you to understand this. In our world today, God wants to demonstrate His faithfulness to you and through you to everybody around you. God wants to show this world who you are, what you've come to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 in the Amplified Bible, it talks about how the believer, the believer. Now, I don't know whether you're a believer, but you, you, you look like a believer. You're in a house of believers, but let me tell you, a, a, a true, loyal, unashamed gospel carrier, a true faith-walking Bible-toting, tongue-talking, come on somebody, church-going Christian, is a dispenser of the gospel. 
He dispenses the gospel. He understands it's not because of the color of his skin. It's not because of the kind of clothing he wears. It's not because of the kind of culture he comes from. It's not because of having circumstance or not having circumstance. Just by mere definition of being a new creation in Christ Jesus, he is automatically in Christ a dispenser to this generation. And when you don't see yourself as a dispenser of this generation and define yourself by the Word of God, you will not challenge the impossibilities that will come your way to intimidate you. There's a lot of church-going people that are more intimidated because they don't see themselves the way God sees them. But if you'll ever get that glimpse, and I believe you will, that, if you haven't already, you know, the glimpse of who you are. You're called to dispense, dispense. You're called to dispense in a world of conflict, turmoil, confusion, trouble, and mayhem. You're called to dispense against the things that the world calls the plagues of this world. And I found it really interesting because the other day is... The Spirit of God was, was again challenging the church, you know, through this message. And He reminded me, it's, it's not by power. You know this in Zechariah 4, 6. Not by power, nor by my, but by my Spirit. Could you imagine if you really chose to, I mean, really crossed the line and, and chose to be a word walker and a word talker and a, and a person who would be so, you know... Um, embracing of the work of the Holy Spirit that before you went to work you laid hands on it because you just wanted God's anointing on it because you know before you you went back home or before you did this or engaged that every plan that you you know think you have of yourself I, you submit it to God God is this your will is this your way because I need your spirit because I don't have that much time but with the time I do have I want to make sure I'm being effective in my generation See, see, it's, it's, it's a different attitude, it's a, it's a different mindset, it's a different way of, of looking at your life because you have to realize that, that our life is but a vapor and, and yet our life is to count and, and yet God has put something on the inside of you and, and you've got to guard this thing that God has given you. You've got to protect that anointing that's on the inside of you. And the only way you can protect the anointing that's on the inside of you is by the Holy Ghost Himself. You know, Paul told Timothy, he said to him, he says, guard the deposit. Guard the deposit by the Holy Ghost. In other words, you need the Holy Spirit to help you to stay sensitive to those things that you can become familiar with or you become overly accustomed to. You can even make church a place of no different than McDonald's. You just go there for a snack and you're out. But you don't go there to be transformed. But I want you to understand, so, in my devotional, the, the Spirit of God alerted me to uh, an odd ODD, an odd word. A word that, in one sense, troubled me, and in another sense, electrified me. You know, in one sense, it was a word that... that um, in my mind, I wanted to put away, but in my heart, I was being drawn to. And so, 
th- this word, you know, caught my attention. It was somewhat disturbing. And again, I say somewhat encouraging. It's the word plague. Plague. I mean, you know, plague. And, and it's like, well, that doesn't sound like That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's just, wow, what am I going to do? What? You know what I'm saying? And, and as I looked up the word, it, it simply means this. It simply is, you can find it in any dictionary, so I'm not giving you anything like, you know, huge revelation here. It's an epidemic disease that causes high mortality, which means death, of course. It's an infectious disease. It's widespread affliction, calamity, or evil. It's any, any cause of trouble or torment of any kind. Again, plague means to afflict with any evil. And then, and as I looked that up, I, I really felt impressed that the Lord was saying, you can do something about the plague. But you'll never do it ashamed of the gospel. But you can do something about the plague. And that's the disturbing part. Because see, in Hawaii, like in Phoenix, I'm sure, there is one side that the brochures, or let me just talk about Hawaii, that the brochures in Hawaii, everybody wants to come to Hawaii for this picture and for that picture and for this and for that. And people save thousands of dollars to one day go to Hawaii to experience the beautiful Paradise Islands. And so they should. But I remember I did a message not, not but a few years ago, and it's called The Other Side of Paradise. The side that is never advertised. The side that has been touched with evil. The side that is has default to it and is not very attractive. And the tourist guides and the, you know, uh, you know, uh, community of that nature doesn't want people to know that that's what's going on in the islands. It's the other side of paradise. It's the other side of human life. And I began to, it's the side where it's been demonically touched in one way, either directly or indirectly. No matter who you are or where you live, whatever community you come out of, there is that side, if you really open your eyes to see it. And see, I want you to understand that, God shared this with me. He said, you know, I've turned people around so they can benefit from me. And so that they can step out once again and turn the lives of others around. Your life has been changed to change lives. Your life was not just changed because of you. God doesn't think manini. Remember, that's our Hawaiian word, a small. Doesn't just think about you. He does and he will bless and he will encourage and he will expand. But life in the kingdom is not just about you. Life in his church is never just about your set of clothes, your set of goods, your needs. It's about the needs of others. Because God turns around your life to turn around the lives of others. I call that the church unleashed. And God wants to unleash. I find a real strong parallel between Love Life Church and a lot of what we're doing in Honolulu. And so... In one sense, I want to share with you this first video in just a moment as you cue it up, guys. And this is the thing where I tell a story. And we just did a, um, a conference. And every night we were unveiling. Pastor Dan was fasting with us. I really appreciate him. We were 
unveiling a story. The story of a local church. You know, I articulated it a certain way. I didn't have time just to edit myself out, so I'm kind of in it. But, but I, there's two stories I want you to see. One is Blair, one is Calais. You'll get to meet them. And they will talk about their turnaround. But then they'll talk about how they're turning the lives of others around. Because, my friends, we're doing something. And so will you by the time we're done. Because you will have to respond today. Whether you'll turn around the plagues in your community, in your city, however they manifest. Because you have been called to dispense. Amen? Watch this if you would please. people doing life together, building a church, I think of the people who don't ask why something hasn't been done, but rather, what if something were done? What if together we pursued our potential? What if we stepped out of the box? What if we pushed beyond our known experience? What if we were to do what hasn't been done before? What would that church look like? How would that church see the world? What would that church's voices sound like? How would those stories of people part of a church like that be told? I dream of a church that should be a place where people realize it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, what you've been through, or what you've done or not done. A place where God is real, tangible, and transforming. A place where His love is expressed openly and authentically. A place where it's understood that He really, really loves people. child growing up, I became what I was surrounded by. I started doing drugs, stealing, lying, and getting into a lot of trouble. Growing up without a father, having a mother on dialysis, I did whatever I wanted. Between the age 7 and 10, I started to attend Royal Life Christian Center. 
But due to my bad habits, I was quickly kicked out of church for tagging, beating up church kids, and stealing from the tithes and offerings. He said I could return, but I needed to change my ways. It was then they introduced me to Warren Lilo and Tammy Hoshu, the leaders of the Blessing Crew and Life360, who became my leaders and my mentors. Despite the background that I've come from, the bad attitude, the bad habits, and all the things that I still needed to work through, they loved me, they cared for me, and they saw something in me that no one else did, not even myself. They have helped me to develop qualities and strengths that I never knew I had. I began to make major changes in my life. I started to volunteer at this church, and I have learned so much. This church has opened numerous of doors for me, including being able to minister to others as well. Today, I'm 24 years old. I'm a counselor, a dance teacher at Fern Elementary School. I'm also a life coach for Life360. As a mentor, I'm giving these kids what Warren and Tammy has given me. I also have my own cleaning business and I service over 100 restaurants island-wide. I am living proof that being part of a living and motivating church can make a difference in someone's life. I was 25, a single mother, divorced, searching for something to fill this big hole I felt on the inside of me. I soon found myself caught up in a life of compromise, abuse, and prostitution. I began as an escort, which portrays a glitz and glamour type of lifestyle, but the reality was I was sex trafficked by different pimps for about two years. I was told I was nothing. I was told I was born to be a prostitute. I didn't want to believe it, but that's all I heard. Being raped and abused started being common in my life. My pimp said if I left, he'd kill me. I've left countless times, and I really shouldn't be here today. The life I was living was dehumanizing. The fear and lies embedded in my soul was deteriorating me from the inside out. I wanted change. I wanted someone to save me. I wanted someone to see me as that mother, daughter, sister, friend, and even a human being once again. One night, I hit rock bottom. I decided that, that if I can risk my life every day doing what's wrong, I can risk my life trying to do what is right, trying to change my life. Something on the inside of me told me to go to Word of Life the church I attended when I was a little girl. The very night I attended service, the speaker was talking about sex trafficking of children, and that broke me. As soon as the invitation was given to receive Jesus, I ran to the altar crying, bringing all my shame, guilt, fear, pain, emptiness to the foot of the cross. There I felt love, love for the first time, true unconditional love. Because of his love, I am whole, I am restored, I am healed, and I am free. 
Since then, I've been growing in the things of Christ with everything they have to offer me here at Word of Life. I am also involved with different organizations to fight against human trafficking and domestic violence. I am unashamed and speak with boldness for what is just and what is right. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to His eyes. I can sum up in one phrase what Word of Life is all about. I would say it's about God and people. A people who love God and love people. A people who do life together because of God's love. What? Why I share that with you is because of something that I want to encourage you to do. To look at your life now that it's been turned around and ask yourself the question, how am I involved in turning around the lives of others? Your new name says something to your community. It says, love life. There is something to live for. And in my... Uh, in my observation, and why the Spirit of God wanted me to at least share this portion with you, is that you saw their lives were radically, radically changed. From lifestyles, two different people, coming from two different set of circumstances, at two different time frames. And yet when their lives were turned around, it wasn't enough that they just turned their lives around. All of that is amazing and a miracle in of itself. But if you ever stop touching the human lives of other people, if you ever forget where you came from, you'll lose the sense of your Christianity. You have to stay in contact with humanity. You must be about touching people that, take, that it takes the power of God. You must not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I'm not saying this because I think we are here in this room or in our church when I ministered this. You know, I'm saying because that, that is what you have to protect. You have to understand you've been called to dispense. You've been called to do something beyond the four walls. It's the only way you're going to reach your community. Because, and I want you to understand it's important because there is an epidemic. There is a plague in your city. My question to you is, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to drive by it? Are you just going to look at it? Are you just going to wish that someone else would get involved? Are you just going to complain about it? Or are you going to stand up and get in the middle of it? And see, this is the, the interesting thing about this, this phrase. You know, Jesus came to stand right in the middle of humanity's plague. It says in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 in the, the Living Bible Translation. It says, Jesus traveled announcing the good news about the kingdom... And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of illness. In parentheses, I have evil. Evil also makes reference to plagues. It goes on, he says, And what compassion Jesus had for the crowds that came because their problems were so great. They didn't know what to do or where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus came and stood in the middle of humanity's plague. And he, he came to every form of, and every condition. Here a formal prostitute, young, 
has now turned her life around. And now she's helping with child trafficking. She's getting involved. You would never see that in Hawaii. They're never going to tell you about that. You don't, like, stumble into it. You go after it. You go after the problems and you say, I'm here on this planet to make a difference in my generation. And I'll do whatever I have to do. God, what is it? What plague do you want me to attack? Where, where do you want me to go and dispense? And then we have Blair, and Blair goes back to his community. And uh, uh, one who used to be a, a troublesome individual, now he's turned his life around. So their lives have been turned around, and they're thankful, and they're appreciative, and they're serving God. But God puts it on people's hearts to turn the lives of others around. And so this is what I want you to understand. Jesus was the answer to every sort of demonic plague. And in John 20, 21, he says, As my Father has sent me, so I send you. So I send you. My question, with all affection and all respect, then why aren't you going? Then why aren't you going? Why do you just sit here and do nothing? You know, and I want you to understand, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a, a, believe me, I, I don't know any person in this room and I speak that this strongly. I'm being pastoral now. I speak this strongly. Because, my friends, whether you like it or not, you can close your eyes if you want. You can shut your ears up if you want. You can shrink your heart down to a size it was never meant to be if you want. But it doesn't mean the plague goes away. And it doesn't mean that you haven't been called to do something. You've been called to be a dispenser of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, this is what I want you to understand. And so I was looking at this word plague. And it says, and the plague broke out among them. As I get ready to wrap this thing up. The plague can have many different forms. It can be disease. It can be, you know, child trafficking. It can be abuse. It can be incest. It can be abandonment. It can be loneliness. It can be poverty. It can be talking about the discarded, the disenfranchised, the marginalized. It can be talking about, you know, those that were left behind and those that have been forgotten. It can be the, the, the overlooked. It can be everything from apathy to mediocrity to familiarity. It can be uh, emotional, spiritual, and physical. It, it goes in so many different directions. But there is a plague. And it has been loosed by demonic powers. And the Bible says the reason the Son of God was made manifest was to undo the works that the devil has done. You have the power to do something about the plague. See, and the thing is this, and until you do, people will just keep dying. And the, if the church is okay with that, that's not okay. And I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying where life is. But the point I'm trying to share with you is this. Here's this verse. And the plague broke out among them. This is Psalms 106, verse 29 and 30 through 31. Then Phineas, say Phineas, say Phineas, stood up and intervened. And the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations to come. One man 
One person. Not a committee. Not a whole group. Not waiting for everybody to join the bandwagon. One person. One man. One woman. One person. Stop the plague. This is astounding. This is like... You know, it's like... Wait, wait, wait. Let's back it up a little bit, Lord. You know, one man named Phineas. One man stood up. One man intervened. One man stopped the plague. One man. See, the word of Phineas means... It means the face of trust. The face of trust. God sees your face. Can he trust you to dispense? God looks upon you. Does he find a trustworthy servant who can dispense the anointing that's already been deposited? You don't have to beg God for the anointing. It's in you already. And so, one man willing to do what others were only satisfied to look at and allow to continue to go on. One man who is willing to stand up. Let me give you the story, and then I'm going to share one more video, and then I'm out. This story is made reference to in Numbers 25, and that's where I'm going to go. Numbers 25, you're going to find a, a interesting passage. Sorry. Here it is. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, Israel had fallen into harlotry. Pastor, are you saying we're into harlotry? No, I'm not at all. Follow me, what I'm saying here. Israel had a real difficult time staying committed to God. They liked the perks, they just didn't like the commitment. And um, one day, they started to compromise. Say compromise. They started compromising their walk. They started compromising as a nation. And God says, bastante. You know, I've had enough. This is it. You know. And so he speaks to Moses. I mean, you know, you have a Moses in the house. You do have a Moses. Now, his other name is, is Pastor Dan. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. And they, they were bowing down to gods and they were, you know, they had joined uh, uh, the Baal peror. And, and, and so, the, verse 4, And the Lord said to Moses, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the leaders. Ooh, take the leaders. Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord. Out in the sun, we're going we're gonna to have some jerky. No, I mean, uh, let me go. That the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges or the leaders of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who, have, who were joined to Baal Peror. Now, I'll explain that in just a second. And indeed, let me stop right there. So this is what happens. So Moses gets the thus saith the Lord. The thus saith the Lord is basically this. Let me summarize it. Put it in terms that you might understand. My people are compromising. For all that have compromised, I want you to do something about the com Address the compromise. Address the harlotry. Address the lifestyle. Get them back. Let them know I'm serious. But why? Well, you're going to find out why. You're going to find out. 
See, something has happened. People were dying. You're going to find out in a few moments. The reason this is coming up, because 24,000 people had already died. And all of a sudden, God gives a word to Moses. He says, speak to your leaders. So he speaks to his leaders. And the leaders, hearing this, thump, 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 more people falling out because of the plague, they hear Moses, they hear the thus saith the Lord, and they still don't do anything. They're watching people die. They're in leadership. They're watching people die, but they're okay with it. Thump, 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 thump. They're still dying. They're not doing anything. They have the title. They have the position. They have the air conditioning. Oh, no, they didn't have that. They have, uh, you know, they have the, the right cars. They have the right house. They have the right area code. They have the right job. They have, they have, they have prestige, and, 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 and they're, they're honored by people. Nothing wrong with those things, but thump-thump, thump-thump is still going on. And God says, Moses, do something. Get your leaders to address this thing. And nobody does anything. They stand there and they look out. Maybe they said, well, you know, I can't, you know, I mean, that's a really nice kind of person over there. I, mean, I can't get, I can't just hang them. I mean, who's going to do my accounting? Who's going to do my wash? I mean, if I hang that person, I'm going to have to do the work. If I get rid of that person, dress that person, I... Well, who's going to wash my car? And who's going to do this? And, and who's going to take care of the kid? But you don't, Moses, you don't. I have a, I have a connection with this person. Thump, 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 thump. People are still dying. They're still dying. Moses has spoken. God has spoken. Moses has spoken. And the leaders are still looking. Then, look at this. In verse, I think it's verse 6. It says, yeah, mm -hmm. see, no, maybe still, I don't know. Yeah, verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation, the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle meeting. So this is what happened. They're all standing there. They haven't made their decision. All of a sudden, this guy comes down the road. And he brings the very thing that God is trying to address. An Israelite covenant man is bringing the compromise right there. And he says, and they came, they keep crying. Yeah, but I, you don't understand. I got emotional attachments. I'm highly invested. You don't understand. Yeah. Okay, so they're crying. Compromise has walked in the door. Compromise walks in the leadership. Compromise says, you wouldn't dare. Be tolerant. Come on. This is not politically correct. Look at, you're hurting her. You're hurting me. You understand. So everybody's getting all emotional. Everybody's getting all emotional. And apparently... This is how compromise comes. Compromise will play on your emotions. And compromise will play on your feelings. And then you'll start feeling things. And you won't do what God says has to be done. Because I don't 
feel like it. I don't feel like it's right. I don't. What do your feelings have to do with the will of God right now? So all of a sudden they come and apparently they walk away. And they walk away and none of the leaders do anything. They're all looking at this compromising Israelite with this Moabite woman. The very thing that God is angry about. And they walk away. Wow, you still hear thump, 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 but a bump. That was a bigger person. Now look at it. I'm, I'm ready to close here. My second close. I have at least three or four. <laughs> Verse 7. Now when Phineas, the son of Eliezer. Oh, Phineas. Now when Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose from among the congregation. No one else rose. He rose. Phineas rose. The face of trust rose. And took a javelin, a spiritual armor. I love this stuff. I want to make a movie right here. A javelin in his hand. Verse 8. And he went after the man of Israel into his tent. And... This is good. This is juicy. This is rated R for a Sunday morning. And thrust them through, uh, I said, men of Israel and the woman, through their body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Let me stop there and I'm going to close for my fourth close. But here's what I'm, I'm here to get, share with you. Finally, Everyone else was looking. Everyone else was acknowledging. Everyone else knew the compromise. But they weren't doing, my point is, what the Lord had said. But then one man, un solo hombre, one person, solamente un persona, just one individual, stood up. My question to you, is there anyone in Love Life Church that will ever stand up? One person did it. One person. One. One individual. You sit there and you tell me we can't make a difference with the plagues in your community. That we can't do anything about the hurting humanity. There's nothing. You say, I don't know where to go. There's nothing out there. You mean you really can't see it? The loss, the dying, the crying, the sighing. One person stood up. And he got his spiritual armor and he defeated the compromise. He killed the compromise. He killed it, the compromise. He took care of it. He defeated it. And the plague stopped. And the death stopped because somebody, not everybody, not all the leaders, Moses spoke, only one person acted. And this is what happened. Goes on to say, Verse 10, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with a great zeal among them. And I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Verse 12, therefore I say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. God gave him and rewarded him a covenant of peace Nothing missing, nothing broken. Don't have a clock. What? Is it 10.30? 10.40? 10.50? 10.50?
1060. Okay, this is what I'm asking you to do. I don't know what your Moses is going to ask you to do. I don't know, and this is the directives that God gives your Moses, your Pastor Dan, your Pastor Laura. And you have to understand that they will see things, and they will speak as thus saith the Lord. And it can, the plagues and the injustices aren't so many. But you have to do something. You can't just sit here and be okay with it. Not as long as I'm being invited here. And I'm, and I'm in agreement with your pastors. They have the same heartbeat. That's why almost a year and a half ago, though we've always done missions, we've always gone to missions and, and support, Finally, we started sending people out there because God spoke to me while I was in Bogota. And he says, you will touch the 44 nations of the world. There are 44 nations that touch the Pacific Rim. Hawaii is right in the middle of it. What what little thing can come out of Hawaii? I, I wish I can tell you all the different stories. But just a few days ago, our group came back from Thailand. And they're working with Carol Hart. Carol Hart works with child trafficking. This is a story, and with this... I close. Can you roll that?
absolutely amazing. Um, we were able to minister to the people through hula. We were able to minister to them by praying with them. Um, Pastor Wally and some of the team were able to pray for healing over the people. We saw a lot of miracles happen. At the end of the service, after we had done our hula, we did I Need You to Survive as well. Uh, people were weeping. They were crying. Their hearts were touched. And I actually had um, a girl come up to me afterwards. She um, told me that she was a Zoe child when she was in seventh grade. She grew up with Zoe. She was either an orphan or in the sex trafficking or a beggar. And now she's graduating top honors at a four-year university. Um, so that is a big miracle. You can already see the impact they're having. That's something that we are a part of because we're able to um, support them financially. We're able to support them spiritually with our prayers. So this has been an awesome experience. It's been a great trip. Um, I'll never forget it. serving Jesus, getting people saved, and ministering, and being ministered to as well. Stand to your feet right now and be closed in the word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, thanking you that you are making Phineas's of every person in this room. There are Phineas's in this room, Lord. 
Though it may be missions, literally going to a field, but every person in this room, whether in the Latino community or whatever community they come out of, Father, they have a mission field. There are people there to be reached. People have been touched by a plague that only being unashamed of the gospel of Christ will turn that situation around. And I pray that right now, Lord, that you would give them such a fire, such a desire, such a hunger and a passion with incredible creativity and innovation of the Holy Spirit as to how, Father God, how to do what seems to be impossible to be done, how to bring resolution, how to bring entrance, how to get in there, Father God, to win the multitudes that, Lord, you came to intervene on behalf. We've received your assignment. You said, as my Father has sent me, so I send you. We now, Father, take on the mandate to become the Phineas, the face of trust, one that you can trust with that anointing you place within us, to dispense it, Father God, to our mission field, whether just right around the corner or in our community in which we live or where we work. But, Father, there is somebody out there. And we're going to put a stop because we've chosen to stand up. We give you the praise. We give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.